Hello and welcome to another episode of the Z&D podcast. Should it be Z&D? Yes, but Z&D sounds better. I'm your host, Zach Marks. Pleased to be joined by my co-host, as always, Dawson Patrician. And a quiet game on the, or a quiet day on the NHL front. Just three games to speak of here so far today. It's been an interesting first month or so to the NHL season. Some storylines, including Chicago, still yet to win a game on the season. Montreal Canadiens having a very rough go of it right now. And our Edmonton Oilers off to an absolute flying start. Looking to continue that tonight. But we'll start with a bit of free agent movement. And by that, I mean future free agent movement. And that being said, Morgan Riley, Toronto Maple Leafs assistant captain, probably, I believe, their longest tenured player at this stage has signed an eight-year extension with the Leafs worth $7.5 million a season that kicks in next year. Though, as you pointed out prior to the show, Dawson, the no-move clause ticking in for this season. So he is locked in as the main defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the next nine years, unless he decides to waive that no-move clause. What were your thoughts on the signing when it was announced and now a few days later? Um, I think... Well, I like I like Riley a lot. I really do. Um, he's a good he's a good defenseman. I liked him even more when he got absolutely walked by Connor McDavid, but that doesn't help the Leafs any. Um, I I liked I don't mind this contract when it was signed. Uh, eight years, seven point five million dollars a season, and the no move clause I don't think affects the team as much as it should, because I mean. You need a cornerstone defenseman, as in, um, you know, the Ottawa Senators of uh, before, you know, three, four years ago, they had Eric Carlson. The Red Wings had uh, Lidstrom or not Lidstrom. Uh, no, you're right. Lidstrom. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, getting getting my hockey history mixed up. But those kinds of defensemen you need to have on your team, no matter how much they're getting paid. That being said, I saw a graphic, I believe, just after the signing the Toronto Maple Leafs are now spending 56-odd percent of their cap on five players. Now, yeah, do with that so, information what you will, but it's not going to be looking good for the Leafs going forward. Now, 14 point currently on cap-friendly, uh, probably the single best site for hockey fans trying to figure out how the salary cap works. Uh, they have it estimated or calculated rather 14.3% of their cap in Austin Matthews, an additional 13.5 for John Tavares, the captain, of course, who signed that big money contract. I want to say four years ago now, almost three years ago. This is the fourth year of the deal back in the summer of 2017, 13.4% for Mitch Marner, 8.5% for more. William Nylander and 6.1% for Morgan Riley. You add all of that up, you've got a perfect 40, just over 41% in the first three. And then you add Nylander and Morgan Riley. It is about 56%. So that's a lot of cap into some into five players, four of which are your big guns offensively, and then the one in Morgan Riley. Though what should be said, Jack Campbell is a free agent at the end of the season and is due a pay increase currently making 1.65 mil. So it'll be interesting to see what Dubas can do. And 
if with the Leafs off to the start that they're currently on, it's been tough sledding for them, though nowhere near as tough as the Habs, currently sitting fourth in the division with a record of 4-4-1, and actually trailing the Detroit Red Wings in the standings by a point, a team they beat on Saturday night. They will play their next game tomorrow against the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been off to a tough start themselves, actually. Not entirely, well, quite easily explained by the injuries that they've suffered early on here. And Robin Lehner not having as good a start as last year. They currently sit fifth in the division. Uh, the Oilers currently in second, trailing just the Flames. Though the Oilers do have a game in hand that will be settled tonight against Seattle. But let's get into some previews here. The Washington Capitals at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Seems like Vitek Vanacek will get the start for the Capitals in this one. I'd assume it to be Andre Vasilevsky for Tampa Bay. And this should be an interesting game. Two teams that typically put up big numbers. Washington off to a pretty good start. I have yet to lose in regulation. That's always a good stat to look at if you're a fan. So Alexander Ovechkin continuing to climb up the all-time goals list. He started, well, I think everyone knows the story at this point. He's currently... Chasing Gretzky's record, which is not something I think anybody thought saw coming. He's currently at 739 goals in 1,205 games, actually scoring at over a point per or uh, over a goal per game this season. Nine in eight so far after what can only be described as a slow season last year. Just the 24 goals prior to that: 48, 51, 49. 33, a bit more down to earth, 50, 53, 51, 50, 56, 65, 52 in his rookie season. Alex Ovechkin is a goal-scoring machine. And I think the easiest question here is, A, who's going to win? But B, do you think Ovi can actually catch Gretzky for that record? Well, um, if you would have asked me this question before the pause last season, uh, the 1920 season um i would have said absolutely uh you know ovechkin as although he is getting up there in age he's he's one of those players where you can just give him the puck and he will find ways to score especially on the power play as we have seen for the last like 15 16 years and he is not going anywhere anytime soon like you said nine goals in eight games but going into the next couple of seasons, he did sign a five-year deal with the team, uh, the Washington Capitals, that is. Um, and he's he's going to finish out his career a Washington Capital. And I think if he keeps going the way he is, obviously he's not going to finish out the season a goal a game. But if he keeps if he keeps going at safe, if he gets say sixty this season, then he can almost coast to the end getting say 30 40 and he can kind of take it back a little bit maybe uh be a little bit more playmaking focused as they you know kind of groom the the younger players into developing a new younger core as Ovechkin and uh and Kuznetsov and Backstrom all getting 
they're not getting younger, and if Washington wants to contend soon, basically get Ovechkin as many goals as he can and worry about the core second. Yeah, no doubt about that. He's currently 155 goals behind Gretzky's record, just two behind Brett Hull for fourth on the all-time list. So I guess another question, you think he passes Hull tonight with a hat trick? Um, I, th- I think he could, uh, although... It's definitely possible. Small Although caveat. countrymen may have something uh, to say about it. <laughs> yeah, small caveat, Andre Vasilevsky, a 9-11 save percentage. Although he does the best Vanacek in the goals against department. Uh, no, he doesn't. Uh, that's the other way around. Vanacek with a 226 and Vasilevsky with a 253. Fair enough. Now, you mentioned that five-year contract that he signed to stay in Washington for the remainder of his career, provided no trades happen, which is... Unlikely with a guy with the pedigree and history in Washington like Alex Ovechkin. As I mentioned, 155 goals behind the great one. Now, if he plays every game of that that five-year contract, he doesn't miss a single game over the course of the next five seasons, he simply needs to score 31 goals per season. So 40 this season in theory because of the additional. So that is only a goal, a 0.37 goal per game rate, which is entirely possible. Obviously, if you take into account playoffs, points and whatnot, I'm sure it's a completely different story with uh, Gretzky going on some absolutely monstrous uh, runs. We look at the playoffs, he scored 122 playoff goals, whereas Ovechkin, currently sits 16th with 71. So you'd have to add an additional 50 goals on the back of that. So that's 205 for the uh, playoff totals. But I wouldn't be shocked to see him pass that record or pass Gretzky, but it's all going to come down to health. Ovechkin is nowhere near a young buck anymore. Currently sits at the ripe old age of 36. So he'd have to play into his 40s more than likely to pass the great one on that list. So I'm going to say no for now, but I need to see if he comes out, as you mentioned, scores 60 this season, then anything's possible. But I think his injury and father time catch up to everybody eventually. And I just don't know when it's going to be Ovechkin's time. I'm hoping it's not. I think it would be incredibly cool to see a record like that broken in my lifetime and especially a player that you and I have both watched since we were about three years old so his rookie year obviously being 0506 after the lockout so we would have been four at the time but nonetheless I am going to pick Tampa though despite talking up Ovechkin I think Vasilevsky's going to have a pretty good game I don't think Ovechkin's scoring tonight uh that's my bold prediction and I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Lightning defeat the Washington Capitals by a score of 4-2, to two, handing them their first regulation loss of this new season. Hmm. Well, I will say um, the the Lightning winning is not a bold take. I think it's a very reasonable take. Ovechkin not scoring is a bold take, especially considering his pace so far this season, him dialing the clock back to 2008. But um, I think... I'm going to go with the opposite on that one. I'm going to say Washington Washington takes it. Uh, I'm going to say 3-1. So keep keep with the two goal the two goal game theme. 
uh, Ovechkin pots one, I think, and uh, they will hand Vasilevsky his third loss of the season. So one of us will be right on both accounts. Only it will be if Ovechkin scores, you'll be right. If he doesn't, I'm right. If Washington wins, you're right. If they don't, I'm right. So we'll see how that one goes. Moving on to the middle game of this three-game evening. The Ottawa Senators on the road in Chicago. And we're not going to touch on the scandal happening with the Blackhawks in the league right now. We do not feel qualified to discuss this. Uh, we both recommend Rick Westhead on Twitter. Uh, his articles, his the interviews, all of that. has done, He has done a fantastic job. I believe he appeared on the Steve Dangle podcast as well this past Friday. So check that one out if you are curious about more on that situation. But as two college students just trying to talk hockey, we do not feel like we have the capacity to uh, speak to that. What we will say is we are 100% on Kyle Beach's side. We absolutely believe that what Chicago uh, did back in 2010, what Brad Aldrich did, is despicable, covering it up for so long, refuting the claims the way they have up until the investigation was publicized last week. Dawson, I know I speak for you and we say we hope, we wish the best for Kyle in his future endeavors, whatever they may be, and we really wish the NHL had uh, brought the hammer down on the Blackhawks more than just $2 million. Now, that being said, moving on, the Ottawa Senators looking to improve to four and four on this season. Uh, as you mentioned, Mark, uh, prior to the show as well, Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury both playing for teams not named the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time in a while against one another. Actually, yes, it would be the first time that these two teams had met, or these two players rather, had met without one of them playing for the Bat- Penguins. Oh. Because the trade would have, because Murray was acquired after the pause. Yep. So they did not play each other. Uh, we as Oilers fans saw plenty of Matt Murray, very little of Mark Andre Fleury, uh, and what we've seen this season of Mark Andre Fleury has not been pretty, to say the least. He has had a tough go of it in Chicago. The Blackhawks have had a tough uh, go of it in Chicago, and I've accidentally found an article of the Edmonton Oilers rumors acquiring Mark Andre Fleury an hour ago. So there you go. Uh, oilonwhite.com if you're interested I'm not so we're going to try and find some stats here for Marc-Andre Fleury this season in his last five games he has lost to St. Louis allowing just one goal that's tough that's a tough one if you are Marc-Andre Fleury this was actually yesterday or two days ago sorry Saturday against the St. Louis Blues allowed six goals to Detroit four to New York four or sorry to the Islanders Four to Pittsburgh and four to Colorado. Uh, Pittsburgh definitely being his worst. Four goals on ten shots before getting the hook. Chicago has not found... Seth Jones has not been what they wanted him to be so far. It has been a tough, tough game for them. Whereas Ottawa has looked fairly competitive in all their games. A one heck of an outing against the Washington Capitals. A back and forth affair. Now, my brother is a Senators fan. So I have, I'm a little bit more aware of this team uh, than I expect you to be Dawson just simply especially us living in Edmonton it is difficult to get games against them so I should mention Ottawa having a lot of success against the Dallas Stars early in the season 
Um, unfortunately for them, uh, being a Dallas being a West Coast team means those are the only two meetings. I'm sure they'd love to see each other, see Dallas a couple more times after winning 3-2 at home and 4-1 on the road, but open the season with a 3-2 win over the Leafs, dropping their next game against those same Leafs, 3-1. Then the next night, beating the Stars, dropping a 2-1 decision to the Sharks, dropping a 3-2 decision to the Rangers, dropping the aforementioned 7-5 game to the Capitals. This was a fun one. 4-1 after 1 Ottawa came back to tie the game in the second period before allowing two late goals. And then both teams added one in the third. So Chicago, I don't see them getting more than a point out of this game. Uh, They went up two nothing against the Leafs earlier last week, which was the exact same day that we learned who the John Doe was in that situation. Kyle Beach, of course. Uh, they went up to nothing. It was the first time they'd led all season and they blew it to the Leafs and lost in overtime on a, I believe it was William Nylander overtime winner. I'm going with Ottawa here. I think Matt Murray is going to have a much better performance than he did against in his last outing, which albeit was his season debut and goaltenders are fickle when it comes to certain, those types of games, having, especially with Murray not playing a lot last season due to injury. It's to be expected that he would be a little slow off out of the gates here, but sorry, two games played. This will be his third appearance. Should he make the start, but a 1.6 goals against and a 9.36 is very solid. Uh, that being said, he is Ottawa only three and four on the year. I think that improves to four and four. I'm going to say five, two. No, you know what? Five, one Ottawa. Marc-Andre Fleury continues to have a a stinker, which is not good for my fantasy team, but Chicago moves to 0-8-2 on this season. And Brady Kachuk, two points. That's my my call. Okay. Um, I think, uh, well, I will preface by saying as much as, um, you know, besides the the players that are still on that team, the the, uh, Kane, the Taves, uh, when Chicago loses at this point, I think the rest of the league wins. Um, Matt Murray playing, he played very well. Uh, you know, like you said, one a 160 goals against, a 936 save percentage. And it's a little disheartening uh, for Blackhawks fans to look at uh, the the game preview, so to speak, on uh, Sportsnet just to see the the team leader in wins for Ottawa right now, Philip Gustafson. Uh, with two and zero for the Blackhawks. But I think so far, at least on the offensive score sheet, uh, Seth Jones leading the team right now in points with seven, uh, all of which are assists. But, I mean, you're going to sign him to as monstrous of a contract as Chicago did, especially after essentially trading uh, Duncan Keith's cap space for him. Um, You're going to want to squeeze every point and every penny out of him as you can get drake batherson leading ottawa with eight points uh four of which are goal uh assists rather well, and i guess goals too four and four i'm gonna say for this prediction i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep with the ottawa theme uh i think it'll be not quite a 5-1 game i think it'll be i think it'll be a 4-1 game uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say batherson probably increases his team lead in points and Matt Murray shuts the door on Chicago. All righty. 
Interesting decision there. Moving on to the team we know best, the Edmonton Oilers. 6-1-0, pardon me, to start the season. That long loss coming to the Philadelphia Flyers. In a tough one, Seattle, 3-5-1, respectable to start. Not quite what Vegas jumped out to in their inaugural season, but I think most people did not expect a repeat-type uh, performance out of the Kraken. A lot of the issues coming in the scoring uh, department for Seattle. Currently got some power play stats up, and if we sort, well, just offensive stats in general, and sorting by goals per game, Seattle currently sits... 11th in the league in goals per game with 2.56 and their power play 10% on the season, which is good enough for third worst in the national hockey league. Now, if you'd said prior to the season that Vegas would enter and be 0 for 15 to start the season, I would not have believed you, but with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, both going down with injuries, it is understandable. That being said, they're taking on an Oilers team that sits fourth in goals per game and it's well documented. Number one in the on the power play, forty seven point eight percent on the man advantage for the Edmonton Oilers. Tw- well, it's twelve point eight percent better than the second place team, the St. Louis Blues, who sit at thirty five percent. That being said, we look at the teams who have been penalized or who have been given the man advantage the most. Edmonton is not among them. It has been tough for Edmonton to get power plays. They currently sit. 10th, uh, tw- 22nd in power plays, power play attempts with 23, and yet they still lead the league in goals by two with 11. Carolina and Chicago both have nine. Both Carolina and Chicago have 30 plus power plays. So Edmonton off to an absolute historic start. That power play consisting of Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who is also off to an absolute blistering start as I turn around slowly to unveil the Nugent Hopkins name on the back of my jersey. Happy to see him currently leading the National Hockey League in assists, which I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, And I don't expect him to maintain that, but it is fun to talk about. Um, Who have I not brought up? Tyson Berry on the back end. And then a combination of Evan, not Evan Bouchard. That's the second power play. A combination of Yessa Pugliarvi and Zach Hyman, the new addition. Also off to a great start for this Oilers team. As as most of them are, uh, I don't think I can really, aside from maybe Yamamoto, but he's had a really good few games, just isn't getting on the uh, score sheet. Then again, Nuge hasn't scored, and it's kind of a weird situation. He's not one who's normally known to rack up assists. He's got a wicked wrist shot, and he's someone they expect to score, not pass the puck all the time. But nonetheless, I would expect this Oilers team to come out flying against Seattle. It is the return of Adam Larson, so it'll be the first time he comes back to this uh, place he called home since the Taylor Hall trade back in the summer of 2016. A guy you and I both really liked and were sad to see go when it was discovered that he would be the player taken in the expansion draft. Now, that being said... It did allow for Tyler Benson to stay with the team, and he's currently playing on the fourth line, projected to play tonight. And he's been good so far. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can bring again on this fourth line. But the goaltending situation in Seattle has been interesting, to say the least. They they bring in Chris Driedger, sign him to this pretty decent contract, in all honesty. 
And then they go out and acquire, I, I say acquire, and sign Philip Grubauer to a big money deal. He faced just 17 shots yesterday, still allowed two goals. You have to think Edmonton's going to hit him with a lot more shots. They currently average 34 a game, which is set sixth in the league, trailing Pittsburgh, Toronto, Minnesota, Calgary, and Los Angeles, actually. Their shooting percentage up there at 11.7%. They have been blistering offensively. And I believe aside from the opening night game against Vancouver, and then this most recent game on Saturday against Vancouver, the Edmonton Oilers have not scored less than five in a game. And that is, in fact, the case. To 3-2 win in the shootout, you were at that game against Vancouver. Then they beat Calgary 5-2. They beat the Ducks 6-5. They beat uh, Arizona 5-1. They beat uh, the Oilers. Or they beat themselves. They beat the Golden Knights 5-3. And they lost to the Flyers. So, pardon me, 5-3. Losers in that one. They did score just the three goals in that game. They have scored three in all, at least three in all of their games. Funnily enough, I think aside from two games in the preseason, they did that as well. So very offensive team. Uh, defensively, they haven't been spectacular. Um, uh, though holding the Canucks to one goal, very impressive. Less so the Coyotes, and then the five goals against Philly, three goals against Vegas. Tough defensively, but. With a team like Seattle, I wouldn't expect too much offense out of them. So I'm going to go out and say the Edmonton Oilers continue to score five. They're going to score six tonight. No, you know what? No, I'm going to say four. I'm going to say they keep up with the threes. Four. Four one. Four one against Seattle. Miko Koskinen expected to make another start here tonight uh, for the Oilers. It is also, I believe, indigenous. The Oilers are... What's the word I'm looking for? Celebrating Indigenous communities in the province tonight with a one heck of a logo. We'll throw it up on the screen really quick. It looks really cool. Uh, I'm excited to see whether, even if it's just a practice jersey, what it looks like on a jersey over the next, in a few hours time. That game's starting at 7.30 Mountain Time. And I'm going to say McDavid bounces back from his very, very quiet evening of one assist with three points tonight, and Yamamoto finally gets on the board. Well, um, I think the the McDavid prediction is uh, not bold at all. I think uh, he, I mean, he leads leads the league with 16 points. The one thing that surprises me about, uh, about Seattle right now is, um, well, obviously McDavid leading the team seven goals, but leading the Kraken in goals is one Brandon Tanev with six, and I don't think we've, I don't think we've expected that out of him. However, uh, you know, like you said, with the Vegas season, uh, you know, we saw William Carlson jump up to, I believe it was seventy points or something crazy like that. So, I mean, it's not terribly out of the blue, um, but um, as far as the Oilers go. Uh, you mentioned Yamamoto. He's too good to not go this long without a point. I think he gets himself on the board, whether whether with an assist or a goal, I'm not sure. Um, and I think Koskinen, Koskinen going to stand strong again as he did um, the last game. And 
I'm gonna say Edmonton. I'm I'm gonna say four one Edmonton because for some reason they can't seem to get a shutout uh, this season. Um, even in um, I believe it was the Vancouver game, the late goal by Bo Horvat. I want to say. Um, but I think it'll be four one Edmonton. McDavid gets on the board with a couple uh, points, rather not just goals. Uh, Hyman probably gets one because why wouldn't he be? And that is that is my prediction for the evening. Alrighty, so the predictions are in. We'll cover them on the next episode, which hopefully won't be almost a month later. There's some scheduling conflicts over the last month or so. Now we're going to move into a new segment. We mentioned Cap Friendly earlier on, and we're going to go through their armchair GM segment or uh, section of their thing. I record, you'll see it pop up right about now on screen. I RNG'd it. We got number 11. Number 11 in the alphabetical order for the NHL teams is the Detroit Red Wings. I've found one that I think is entertaining. Currently recording my screen. Bored waiting for my flight by Lance BMX. I did check to see that it was a Detroit fan. As it's not, I, I find it less fun to see what like a Boston fan thinks they should do because you're not the guy, you don't follow the team as much. A, a Red Wings fan, I think this is a good plan. So the trades are trading Troy Stetcher and a fourth round pick in 2022 for Tyler Madden. And he says, uh, LA trade, just trying to get value for them, needing a right D and having an abundance of center prospects. The Chicago trade is a second round uh, pick in 2022. Might need to be prospect or something. Maybe someone that's struggling in the depths of Detroit who could be due for a fresh start for Alex Nylander and Dylan Strom. Uh, Chicago trade, typical for every, every day here. Um, two guys in the doghouse needing a fresh start. Strom fills a hole in Detroit, at least for now. And I would be willing to give Nylander some ice time to see if he can get his game going. Uh, I like that deal. Uh, the first one I don't have a huge opinion on. I like Troy Stetcher. I like T- Tyler Madden, but it's kind of just a one-for-one deal. Um, this Chicago deal, I like the idea of, bringing, of Detroit bringing in a guy, couple guys like this. Uh, it's a strong pickup, in my opinion. Next up is a third-round pick in 2022 to Seattle. He says maybe a bit more goes their way. He isn't sure. For Carson Soucy, guy isn't in the roster right now. Not sure what his value is. Says Susie isn't in the lineup, only played in five of their games, and they have an abundance of left defenders. De- Detroit could let DeKaiser sit more as he hasn't looked good, and Susie is signed next year, so is that there is that security as well. Uh, Bertuzzi is scratched right now because they play in Montreal next game. I'm not sure what that has to do with it. But nonetheless, lines look fairly similar. I like most of what these guys have done. Um I'm interested to see what Detroit does. They've looked pretty good to start the year. As we mentioned, currently sitting in third in the Atlantic division, obviously just nine, 10 games in per team at this stage, but fun to watch uh, early season storylines develop. And I'm interested to see what they do with Dylan Strom and Alex Nylander. We'll cut back to us now. Uh, That being said, your opinions on it, on what I've just said, and um, we'll end it there. I think. Yeah, it seems like a good place to end it. Um, I think Detroit, I mean, you know, like I said, I don't have a huge opinion on the Stetcher Madden trade. The addition of the fourth round pick from Vegas, um, it, I mean, it evens out realistically. Uh, Madden, I believe, was a, a pretty highly touted prospect from Vancouver. Um, you know, being traded to Detroit uh, allegedly 
in this uh, armchair. I mean, I, I think Detroit's a good place. It's it's a it, they're an up and coming team, and I think they they get they don't get as much credit as they're you know they're get it they don't get as much credit as they should right now. Um, I like uh, I like the Nylander Strom trade. Uh, Alex Nylander, the lesser the lesser known uh, Nylander, as in William, uh, being as good as he is in Toronto right now. Dylan Strom, kind of same thing. The lesser known Strom brother, and Susie. Uh, I mean his his additional details in the trade. He isn't in the roster right now. Obviously, only playing in five games. Not sure what his value is. I think. Again, it's a good it's a good time to take a flyer for Detroit, as you know they have so many guys. Even in their forward core, seven players not under contract for next season. Strom's an RFA. They have Robbie Fabry to resign, Vlad Nemestikov to resign, uh, Philip Zadina. Uh, his the final year of his uh, entry level deal is up this year. Uh, Alex Nylander, Sam Gagne probably getting a league minimum if he does play, and Mitchell Stevens again. You know nothing crazy there. Uh, Nick Letty has one more season, so they're one of their top defenders. But I think, uh, I believe Moritz Sider probably going to take uh, another huge step as he has so far this season. Mark Stahl, the final year of his deal is up this season, paying him $2 million in that trade from New York for pretty well nothing, just taking out the cap hit. So I think GM Steve Eiserman doing a great job here. Um, I think he will be, he's building this team up to what it should be. Um, I think they have a very bright future. They will be very good in the years to come, especially with Cider and um, Cider, uh, Zadina, uh, Joe Valino. The only thing I don't want to say plaguing them right now is Tyler Bertuzzi in that situation, him not playing for, him not playing in Canada, but that is neither here nor there. I think they they could do just fine without him. They'll they'll find ways to make do, but I think Detroit in a good spot right now. Thank you for clearing that up. I did forget about the Tyler Bertuzzi uh, vaccination situation. I just thought something had happened against Montreal the last time they played, which wouldn't surprise me with the name Bertuzzi. Uh, no. Obviously, Todd pretty famous for that situation, uh, getting into some situations, but nonetheless. Uh, that'll do it for another episode of the Z&D podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, keep it locked here on YouTube and Spotify for all the content you want. Instagram, Z&D podcast. But we'll finally start posting some content about just what the uh, schedule looks like, what the future looks like. And that being said, for my co-host, Dawson Patrician, I'm Zach Marks, and we'll see you next time.